Welcome to Breakthrough the Ordinary Podcast. Are you ready to commit to your future self? If you are, sibling duo Mark and Claudine Schramante will take you on a journey of self-discovery through impactful conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, coaches, and healers. We are here to share practical strategies and tools to generate the life you envision. New episodes drop every Monday. And we're real happy to have Gia Malardi. I hope I'm saying that right. You She's are. a proud mom of a 14-year-old boy, stepmom of two amazing mid-20-year-olds, and a loving co-guardian of an aspiring chef and college freshman. Uh, she has been interacting with kids in her personal life for many years. Her journey as a professional kid coach started several years ago while peeling back the layers of her own personal transformation. Through working with children, she organically started coaching parents too. She has a vast experience and extensive training to be able to support your family wherever you need help, whether for healing, learning effective communication, or how to teach each family member to become accountable in word and deed, which I love. She is a certified coach, a certified kid coach through Adventures in Wisdom, a certified mindfulness instructor through Mindful Schools, and a certified parent coach through the Jaya Institute for Parenting. And she is certifiably passionate about what she does. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that will become apparent today because you're into many things and very yes. passionate about families. Oh. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank you for that introduction. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've created that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm just I repeating did, who I? you are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? And for, for me, I'm fascinated with you know, parent coach, child coach, mm-hmm. uh, family coach, this idea. And perhaps you could share with our listeners, what's been your journey? How did you, like, I heard peeling back layers, but mm-hmm. what brought you to this space at this time in your life? Yeah, so um, I started on my own transformational training, I'd say about eight years ago. And through that, I did start peeling back layers of just who I was as a person, a woman, and as a mom. And, um, it actually took me 12 years to have my son. So it was a journey in and of itself, just becoming a mom. Um, and I feel so blessed that actually my dream did come to fruition. Um, and so I was busy being mom for many years and, um, through this transformational training, um, people kept telling me, you're so great with kids. You're so great with kids. But I kept thinking, I just want to be with my kid. I just was kind of like in this bubble. Uh, but the more I thought about what I was going to do now that I had a child at that time, I think he was seven, maybe going on eight. Um, who was I becoming? You know, I, I was so mom for so many years that I was losing sight of who I was and where I wanted to take my life. So I started opening up to the idea of actually working with kids because I, I did recognize that I was pretty good at it and um, just wanted to keep getting more and more involved so that I would become a better parent. Um, so that's when I started um, researching. And I did start with the mindfulschools.org. Um, they have de- uh, several different courses that you can enroll in. And so I enrolled in almost all of them and became certified as a, a mindfulness instructor first. Um, do you want me to just continue with the, okay. Sure. Okay. So then I, um, worked with kids in a, 
a lot of after I did a lot of after school uh, work at my son's school, and thankfully uh, they were very open to it. So um, I got to do that, and then I started going into the classrooms and talking with the kids, and then it started segueing into well, I want to do more. I want to do more. So I came across this Adventures in Wisdom uh, kid coaching, and so I went through that uh, program and became certified as a as a kid coach. Uh, which I'll probably talk a little bit more as we go through maybe some more questions. And uh, then last year when um, the pandemic hit, I'm like, okay, you know, where do I go next? And so I thought, well, let me get my, I was already coaching parents too. It just kind of goes hand in hand with, with um, working with children. And I found the Jai Institute for Parenting and that was a six month program. And I became certified as a officially certified as a parent coach as well. So that's mm. a little bit of the overview. Thank you. I, I just want to interject for our listeners. I know Gia. Gia and I actually did our transformational journey, one of many in our both our lives, but yeah. one that really mm. had a significant impact. And I, I love that your child's name, because I, I have met your child, also represents the experience you had. And I, I actually never had that until just now. Really? I, I It never occurred to me, you said, you know, the journey of becoming a parent, oh. right, was 12 years for you. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh my God, that's the inspiration for the name. Yeah, my like, son's I, name is Journey. It, to me, there was no more, uh, it was a perfect name for him. He's, he's my journey. Yeah, he's and continues, I bet you, even... Okay. Not just his arrival, but his yes. right, his course of life Absolutely. Of journey too. <laughs> for uh, good and for bad. <laughs> but they are a journey for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just had my aha moment. I so can't believe that. that. I figured you uh, would, you knew that. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, good. It's, it's, it's beautifully yeah. symbolic. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Wonderful. <laughs> Can you uh, give us maybe a distinction between parent coach and child coach? Because I've never heard those terms, actually. So okay. could you uh, give us a... So with children, it's a little bit different when you coach them because you don't sit back and expect them to figure out the answers on their own, which is typically what you do when you're working with an adult. Uh, so with kids, it's more of, um, well, I, I might as well talk about it. Adventures in Wisdom is actually uh, coaching kids through storytelling. So um, with getting my certification, I got a huge um, curriculum of material uh, that are uh, organized in skill books for like me power, inner power, dream power. Um, and so these different skill books, uh, you can read the stories and then you talk about the message in the story. And that way, uh, first of all, children remember stories yeah. really well. And, um, so they'll, so they, engage, they become engaged because I'm reading a story and then I'm coaching through the message in that story. So it typically lands for them. And then of course, with, uh, parent coaching is the same thing as adult coaching, to, you know, generally, um, a lot of times we have to go through how we're showing up as a person to really figure out how we're actually showing up as a parent. And mm. sometimes you don't really like what you see when you start uh, looking inward and seeing how you're showing up as a person and then seeing, okay, my kid is seeing this. So however I'm showing up is what he's going to see, whether it's just engaging with a friend or a partner or, 
you know, engaging with the child as their parent. So it's, hmm. I guess that's so. I, I'm I'm curious too. So let's just take the. I know overall. So you're clearly a family coach with either way of entering mm-hmm. the system. Mm-hmm. But let's just. I want to just go to the child coaching for a moment. Okay. So you shared with us that there's these stories, which I agree. Right when a child can show up as I'm going to use the word expert or like, oh, I could see that, or they can see that in there, but maybe not in them. Right. How do you help understand what it is that the child, I don't even want to say struggle because it says a negative mm-hmm. connotation, but what's coming up for them that you know, oh, you know, let me build up the me power uh-huh. here or, right, how does that assessment, you know, is that, you know, part of you and the parents creating that or is right. there something you learn from the child that helps? Yeah, that's a, that? that's a really great and insightful question because you, you really do need to figure that part out, right? Because otherwise, yeah. you know, you, stuff might not be landing for the child. Yeah. So the first thing I do is have a discovery call with the parent, and then I get a feel for what they, what results they're looking for for their child, which will then reflect in their family dynamics. Okay. And then I meet with the child for at the first meeting, I have a little like a pie chart and we score like how they feel about friendships, how they feel about school, how they feel about uh, siblings. And so they rate. And so through that little chart, I start getting a feel for where the child might need some guidance. So between the two, you know, collectively, I then decide where I want to go. And then as I meet with a child each time, I really start getting a feel for where I think they can benefit, what stories will really, really um, support them in, in mm-hmm. where they want to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, if I just go a little deeper on that? Well, yes. <laughs> so I, I, I'm sitting here, and I, I don't know, just out of curiosity, is you, do you have an age group that you, okay. with kids? Yeah, so um, the curriculum is really based for 6 or 7 to 12-year-olds. That oh, And I, that's, for me, that's like my sweet spot. I really liked getting them. I like getting them kind of young because... Mm-hmm. Six might be a little young unless they're really mature, but starting at seven, they really start getting it. They can really, they still love stories and they really get engaged with the story. Sometimes if they get a little distracted, which can happen, especially since we've been doing a lot on Zoom, you know, I'll share the story. I'll have them read portions of it. So I find different ways to get them engaged. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll do something as simple as play hangman after the story, we'll do hangman and then, but it'll be a message from the story. So I, uh-huh. I'm just kind of, you know, solidifying what, mm. what they learned that day, what I want them to, you know, hang on to. Um, so really I get to tap into some creativity to, um, because every child is different. Yeah, I, I literally had a, an eight year old boy once tell me. Well, he was seemed really distracted. This is when we were still meeting in person and we were at the library in a private room, but he was still kind of all over the place. And um, I said to him, are you bored? And he's like, yeah, I'm really bored. And I'm like, okay, thank you for being honest. I, I wanted him to really, I, I, I opened the space for him to tell me really how he was feeling. And I said, well, do you want to stop meeting? It's okay. You're not going to hurt my feelings if you want to stop meeting. So really needed to gauge where he was at. And he said, no, I don't want to stop meeting. And I'm like, okay, well then what can I do 
to make it more exciting for you or to make you want to really be in, engaged in what we're talking about more. So he said, I want to play games. So I started bringing board games to our sessions. And then through those board games, I would come up with messages, whether it was about, you know, winning or competition or how to, how to not get everything you want in life. You know, I would always try to always land some kind of message um, through even playing board games. So that's just an example of, you know, getting creative as a kid coach, because it's a completely different yes. coaching than with an wow. adult. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that example. So thank you for sharing that. And, okay. and, and I'm, I'm curious, have you been, you know, ever surprised by a child who, you know, parents may say have their goals, I'm, uh, mm. I'm making that up, whatever they may be. Yeah. And, you know, listen more, go to bed when I tell them. Right. And then they come into a session and be like, I, I want you to have my parents get along better. I, I'm making this up again. But the idea that they too have a wisdom, uh -huh. but they haven't been asked. Yeah, you it's, know, what is that expression out of the mouths of babes? So, yeah. you know, sometimes you'll hear things and, you know, my role as a, as a coach is, you know, um, being very non-judgmental, right? So I'm a parent too. And I know I've had my moments. I have them all the time. And whether it's just myself or whether it's, you know, how I'm happen to be engaging with my partner at the time, whatever the case may be. So yes, that can and does happen. And, you know, I work with it however it shows up. And keeping it very non-judgmental and teaching the child, you know, your, your parents are human too. And, and that's the beauty of being human. We make mistakes. And when we can own up to our mistakes, always turning it back into a lesson. When we can own up to our mistakes, when we can say, yes, I did that and I was wrong and I'm sorry. Um, then uh, you're also showing the child you know, I was wrong. I, I, I kind of lost my thought of what I want actually wanted to say there. But, um, but yeah, kids will be children and it's, it's fun. And, mm. you know, sounds, yeah. sounds interesting. I remember reading a book. Uh, you remember, I think you were working for me at the time years ago. It wasn't it, it about the boy and mm -hmm. play therapy and starting, you know, working with kids. So it's great. Oh, so okay. we're in, we're in strange times, COVID, everything going mm -hmm. on. I don't know if it's changed, but is there trends or uh, trends in family and oh, kids no. and dynamics that are going on that you tend to notice? Yeah, th this has definitely been, you know, so challenging for both parents and children. And I would say um, screen time is probably the number one uh, challenge that I hear about, even in my own home. So they were doing Zoom for almost a whole year, and mm. we were already being challenged by kids wanting to be on the computers and phones and, you know, it, we were already being challenged by it. And so now having to do school on Zoom, it just really intensified the addiction. It's an addiction. I don't like to, you know, dance around it. It is an addiction. And... um so I would say screen time has been the, would be the number one. And then the motivation, children just aren't as motivated because they spent almost a whole year, sometimes a whole year of school at home. Um, you know, I can recall my son, he started out the school year on Zoom last year. He would get up, get dressed, and then, you know, have his breakfast, brush his teeth, just like he was going to school. And then by the end of him being on, on Zoom, you know, uh, online schooling, he was literally rolling out of bed 
you know, going straight to the computer and not even turning on the, the video, you know, so that, but it was like, and he finally told me, so I just, I have no motivation. I've lost all motivation. So now it's kind of our, as parents, we're like pivoting again to try to get them motivated and inspired to now be going into school and with masks and everything that that entails. So I would say uh, computer number one with trends, motivation also is a big thing and um, communication. It's always really, I think it boils down to communication more than anything. Mm. Yeah. In, in using the idea of the changing times, because we, we, they're always changing times. Yeah, that's true. Is there things that you, any tips or strategies that you have, you as a parent or as a, a family coach could suggest to our listeners to help our kids, I want to say, adjust to respond effectively to uncertainty and, and, and shifts? Uh, any suggestions? Yeah, I've got, and this is um, really, we've got some great stories for, um, through the Adventures in Wisdom program. Um there's one that's about change. It's called managing change. So that's a story. And they actually, there's different characters in each story. And so this one happens to be animal. The characters are animals. And so there's a, there's a cat, you know, a little kitty cat that's scared, a tortoise that's uh, shy or um, sad. Uh, there's a grizzly bear that's angry. So he's mad. Um, and then there's the rabbit. And the rabbit is excited. He loves change. So he's bouncing around like, oh my gosh, we get to go and go to this new town because their forest was being destroyed by a new developer that was coming in and clearing out their land. So it was a very, it's a great story because every kid can relate to one or two of those characters. And if they approach change, this is even a great lesson for parents and adults. If we can approach change in more of an adventurous way, even though we know there are some real challenges, even in, in that um, adventure, uh, then it's a whole different perspective. So um, manage that, that story is a great story. Then I've got a story about, um, this is one of my favorites and the kids really respond to it too. It's called Canville and Cantsville. And so one kid lives in Canville and the other kid lives in Cantville. So they go through this, these conversations and doing things. And it's like, it just is a great story that lands every time. If kids want to hear another story, you know, the same story, Oh, we've gone through all the stories. Which one do you want to hear again? I want to hear can and Canville. They love it because they can really relate to it. And in their minds, I, you know, the, the story, the message is like, are you living in Canville or are you living in Canville? It's a very mm. simplistic message, but one that they can keep, remembering when they're in school or they're home or they're with their friends or whatever the case may be. So mm. I like that one too. I'm listening to that. I'm thinking parents could use the can and can, can <laughs> It's too. so true. <laughs> I mean, these, these messages and these stories, you know, the stories are written for kids, obviously, but the messages, you know, it's a gift for me every time I read one, because it's a great reminder for me. Like, where am I? Am I living in Canfield today? Like, mm. why am I doing that? And, you know, I say power shifting because there's another story about putting on your power goggles so I can power shift out of that mindset at any time if I choose to. It's a lot about choice too. I teach the kids a lot about choice and 
sometimes they want to reject that. Well, I, I can't help it. They're making me mad. You know, it's not my choice. So then I get to really dig a little deeper with them and teach them that, no, they can't make you anything. You're choosing to be mad. And, and do you want to stay mad? And if you do, that's okay. And if you don't, then choose to power shift out of that mood and go to the whatever mood you do want to be in. If we take the power shift mood for a moment, mm -hmm. is there some, because um, I'm hearing mindset, mm -hmm. I'm hearing choice. And I think when we think of pivoting, stepping left, right, they're great concepts. Do you also speak into like, what do they need? What resources do they need to put the power goggles on, right? Because I, I, we could say that, like, just choose yeah. differently. Right. right? Like, yeah. right, I'm slamming my experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm ready to make it. <laughs> right. right. Um, and, and, you know, I, I know it's also about communicating, right? So the parents also get to recognize mm -hmm. the child's still having his experience or vice versa. But is there any, uh, you know, uh, strategies within that story or that you could suggest to help them pivot or choose differently? I mean, yeah, well, I mean, it is a practice. As we all know, it's a practice. I mean, it's a continuous practice. So mm -hmm. yes, it really, after every session with a child, I have like a, we call them take home sheets, but either I'll email them or hand them out for what they can do at home to um, really um, make sure that the, the message lands for the kids. So um, whatever story it is, it may have a different tool, but you know, like really, like I really preach a lot of affirmations. If, if a child is lacking self-love or self-confidence, really working on um, affirmations. And uh, I've got some really fun, songs on YouTube that, uh, that are for kids for affirmations, um, visualizing, they can visualize being sick. If they want to, let's say they want to, you know, try out for the basketball team and they're, they don't think that they're, they're short, let's say, and oh, I'm probably not going to make it because I'm short. Well, I mean, there are a lot of great stories about basketball players who weren't really tall, but were extremely successful. Um, but visualize going to the, to the tryouts, visualize making that basket, visualize the whole thing and visualize your name on the list of kids who were chosen to be on the team. So uh, affirmations and visualizations are, are really, I think, uh, great, great tools. Right. I, I love that. And I, I'm also hearing the the sheet. So affirmation, I agree, even for adults, right? We know that visualization and affirmations mm -hmm. for, for us. And I'm hearing like there's also this integration that you provide to continue the landing. Yes. Of, of that. Is, do the parents, are they part of that worksheet? Like, will like sit down or is this like, here you go, kid, you know, child, you, this is yours and you get yeah, to Yeah, no, the, the, own, the parents get the, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to uh, jump ahead. <laughs> That's what's called listening to respond. We can talk about that after. <laughs> are you listening to respond or are you actively listening? So um, I was ready to respond and I, you know. I got you. Okay. So anyway, um, yeah, the, the take-home sheets are actually for the parents. Oh. So they know what, what we did that day and then they can implement strategies at home. So if they're not, that's a, that's a great point, Claudine, because if the parents aren't on the same page that I'm on, yeah. The kids are going to get this mixed signals and mixed messages, and then they're just going to resort back to whatever is happening at home, which maybe wasn't, maybe it was why they came, to, the parent came to me to begin with. You know, if the parent's not shifting along with the child, I can remember when my, this is before I even became a coach, when my son was in first grade, the teacher pulled me aside and said, your son is very smart. 
I'd like to tell you, however, he takes a long time to do his work, probably the longest out of any other child in the classroom. So I was like, you know, what, where do I go with it? I'm still kind of a new mom, you know? And, um, she said, I think it's because he wants it to be just right. And when she said that, I felt like I had been punched in the gut because I knew that it was me. I knew that I was the perfectionist wanting to always look right, always look good, always be in control. And I was teaching my son, maybe not with my words, but certainly by my actions. And that was a huge, huge uh, event for me where I then shifted. I'm like, you know what? I, I have to show him. I have to apologize. I have to, every time I do something that I wish I had done differently, I, when he got in the car, be like, you're not going to believe what happened today, baby. This is what, can you believe mommy did this? Oh my gosh. I can't believe I did it. Showing him messiness, showing him imperfection, showing him it doesn't always have to be right, but what you do about it afterwards is what really counts. So yeah, that was a big that. one. This is a big topic and, and I want to continue on this. Um, you're working with kids. Do you work at the same time with parents or how do you know when to bring the parents in? Because you, you inferred to it earlier, and mm -hmm. I have some of that same belief, that if there's something going on with the kids, you need to look at the parents. Yes. So how, how do you bring them in? Do you bring them in? How do you gauge to bring them in? Or do you work them both together at the same time? Like, you know, individually, but at the same time. Right. So um, it can really go however it it. I got to just say, sometimes I'll get calls from parents and while I'm on the discovery call with them, I'm thinking, I, I hear it. And from a non-judgment standpoint, I'm thinking, you're just wanting me to fix your child. I, I, there's nothing wrong with your child. I, I can't fix the child. And then I'm thinking, it might be you that I really need to be coaching. And sometimes I will even say that if I feel that I'm not going to um, offend them. You know, it's, it, parenting is such a delicate topic as it is. So for a person to come to you, it's already, you're really, you get to be extremely mindful of how you speak to a parent. Um, and so um, sometimes I'll end up coaching the parent first after that discovery call, and we'll see where we get with the parent. Sometimes I just start right with the child um, and then speak to the parent. I'll always do a follow-up with the parent, whether it's an email or a phone call, um, and tell them what I see and ask them to implement what I think might be effective in their household. Um, sometimes with kids that might be a little bit older, maybe they're tw tweens, you know, that, that's when some of the static starts happening between the kids and the parents in a, in a different way because kids are really wanting to exert their independence. And parents, um, it's growing pains for both parents and kids because the parents are like learning when to step in and when to step out. I still work on that, my son being 14. Sometimes I step in and it's like I shouldn't be stepping in, but I'm just trying to learn when to step in and when not to. But um, long story short, to answer your question, uh, with the tweens sometimes, if there's a specific issue, I'll call in the parent and we'll do a session together uh, and try to work on acknowledging each person's role and how they're accountable for how they're showing up and how, you know, then implement the strategy and a plan and then maybe meet with them again the next week to see how it's working. 
So sometimes it's just the child, sometimes it's just the parent, sometimes it's, you know, both. And I will say that that languaging that you just use is very different than how it's often looked at in, you know, either field of psychotherapy, educational lens. Like I, I often find that there's, right, it's your fault. And I, I use fault, blame, problem, you're like, you know, someone's identified, but I'm hearing you use this language of a shared accountability, mm-hmm. a shared contribution. And that in itself takes the guard down. Right. Like, right? Like, I can even feel it myself when mm-hmm. you said that. I was like, that is a really great way to put mm-hmm. it in any relationship. But, but Absolutely. You know, particularly with right. the balance of yeah. yeah, Coming from a place of accountability, first and foremost, is, you know, it's difficult for us as, as adults if I could speak for us all, <laughs> I know I can speak for myself when all your life you've, all you've done is try to defend yourself, right? You're coming from a place of this armor because you feel you need to, for some reason, fight or flight, you know, we could go into a whole different conversation there, but um, allowing yourself to breathe, allowing yourself to say, okay, what can I do? Where, where am I showing up and how am I showing up? And, and what can I do better? Mm. And along those, um, that, that level, you had spoke earlier, like a lot comes down to communication, even what you just said, right? We just said <laughs> the shared, that languaging is even different. Mm-hmm. It, what would you say you can suggest as tips for parents to help, you know, to, to foster effective communication or to mm-hmm. kids, but I'm going to go with the parents right now okay. to foster that good communication and the ebbs and flows of growth, right? Mm-hmm. That just naturally occur in life and, and development, but is there some principles that you'd say or tips that you would suggest for our listeners? Yes. I think it's super important for parents to realize that children have their own experience. They're not parents. As parents, we think a lot of times we know best, but we might not know best. Yes. We don't want them to cross the street with traffic coming and things like that, like safety. But as far as, you know, our child is their own person with their own thoughts, feelings, and beliefs, their own perspective in life. And if we're trying to tell them how it is and assume we know, then we're never going to come together. We're never going to understand them because we're not trying to understand them. We're trying to tell them how to be. And we can't do that. We are not them. That would, it's no different than me trying to tell you as an adult how to be. Mm-hmm. You have your own experience. So I think it's so important for parents to realize they're their own little people and to respect them as their own person. Allow them to have a voice. Oh my gosh, this is huge. If you're shutting down your child because you think you know better than them, they're going to grow up potentially thinking their voice doesn't matter, thinking that what they have to say isn't important. There's something called power, um, power parenting, uh, there's overpower, over parenting, under parenting, and then empowered parenting. And so the goal with, you know, over parenting, over power parenting is when you try to control your child basically. And, and just, this is how it is. Now I know that's pretty much how I grew up. And I know a lot of people in my generation, it's like, you just do it because I said so there was no real, you know, engagement or discussion. Um, 
and that and when you power over a child, they do feel like they don't matter and that they're they maybe don't have a voice. When you underpower parent, uh, power under uh, the child, then you're disengaged. You're just like either you had it and you're over it. And you're just going to let it go. And okay, at this point, I, I'm I'm done. Or you're not engaged to begin with, and then the child they need boundaries, they need guidance. So then they're going to grow up uncertain and indecisive. But empowered parenting is, you know, the balance of allowing your child to be expressive, allowing your child to be heard, allowing your child to uh, work through their emotions and not stifle them, um, along with guiding them along the way, just, you know, little by little to, um, to allow them at the end of the day to really see where they want to take it. So mm. I don't know, there was a lot in there, but no, uh, some good stuff. Yeah. I had never heard it in, in that way of the overpower parenting, mm -hmm. right? We call helicopter, but th that idea yeah. of that, yeah. but really mm -hmm. giving them the space um, to, to create for their own and find their voice. I like that empowered pan parenting. Thank and you. when you think about like, when I just even read the description of what I could be, how, how my child could be affected by power over. Mm -hmm. I think, oh my gosh, I would never want my child to feel like, you know, they don't have a voice or, or they don't matter. And so when I really think about how I could be affecting them, it really just puts it in perspective for me. It really just takes me back. Yeah. I, I would think a client, yeah. Like you think about like, Oh, how do you want your you know son or daughter to experience life? Like do you want them to have a voice that they trust in themselves or not? Like, and the parents right. see that their contribution to it, not the cause, but like, like yeah. that is a very eye opening way of, yeah. of, for a parent to view it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you. Sure. you know, as you're talking, I'm trying to analyze my own parenting <laughs> style. You know? Good. Yeah. I'm definitely, that's not, great. I'm definitely not a helicopter. I might be a little under just a pair okay. under, but pretty, I hope, you know, I know my son has a voice and I don't, uh, he can speak to me and he can call me out on stuff. And, and he does. Yes. And he does. And he does. And he's, yeah. he's got his voice. He's powerful. Like he's following his, I always, you know, we've, I've said it before. I believe they have their own guidance and their own spirit and they have a journey and very little guiding, you know, just those certain, but mostly, or I'm blessed. I don't, I don't you know, if you, a little bit of everything. But. Yeah. Um, some, oh, go ahead. No. Go, go, go. Oh, I was going to say, there's also something when you really think about when you're parenting, um, when you're parenting from fear, and there's different ways that fear shows up. It's, you know, because you want your child to be safe, you want them, or you maybe you want them to be successful, or you want them to be healthy, whatever it is, if you really peel back your own parenting style, and you think, if I'm parenting from fear, like I'll give you, for instance, the other night, uh, you know, my son just started high school. So uh, we're all going through this transition and he's staying up later. The homework is getting harder. Um, he's not sleeping as much. He's not eating properly because he's in a rush in the morning. And we got into a really heated discussion. And um, in reflecting on it the next day, which course, I had a lot of mommy guilt about how I showed up in that conversation. It was like 1130 at night and I was tired. No excuse, but that's what was going on. When I reflected back, I thought I'm parenting from fear and it's fear of his well-being. And so I can certainly express to him that I'm concerned about his well-being, but 
do it in a way that would be constructive and not destructive. Mm. So really always reflecting back as a parent, okay, maybe I didn't do it so great, but let me the next day apologize. Mm -hmm. Tell him I didn't do it so great. Tell him what I really wanted him to know. And then, you know, start again. So in this uh, parent-child relationship, is there like the secret sauce? How would you start or give our listeners some ideas to create this open communication, this way of having a, a family that's open, that can talk and communicate? Mm-hmm. I really am a firm believer in um, family meetings. You know, whether you do Curtis? it... No. Yeah, whether you do it like monthly or I I wouldn't recommend doing it like at the dinner table, because then every time the kids come to dinner, they're going to think, oh, we're going to talk about maybe something they don't want to talk about. Mm. But actually picking a day and time, whether it's, you know, biweekly or monthly, whatever the case may be, whatever works for your family and, and then sitting down and everybody can come to the table with whatever's on their mind. And it's not, you know, meant to be, uh, a griping session, you know, like everyone's going to complain about each other. It's like, this is important to me. Let's put a plan together for how we can make this happen. Um, and again, allowing your child to have their voice. Um, when I try to do maybe agreements with my, this is another thing. So it's family meetings. And then it's like writing, even writing clear agreements, contracts. Okay. This, this is, these are the chores you're going to do. And you've agreed on them because you've picked some of them. Okay. And if they don't get done, this is what we've decided will be uh, the results. So collectively doing those clear agreements, writing those clear agreements and agreeing to them. And then being willing to be flexible within the boundaries or the agreements that you set because things come up. There was a um, recently uh, one of the graduates on one of my uh, pages, um, one of my groups, was writing something about uh, bath time, you know, like bedtime with, she had a younger son. And so she was saying, um, well, he, how would you handle this? He, he, we have to be in, you know, he's gotta be in bed by 7.30, let's say, right? And so bath time is at, he's got X amount of time for bath time. And then he, we'd read a story and then he goes to bed. Well, the, the son wanted to stay in the bath longer. So then she was basically saying, well, then, you know, the choices, if you wanna stay in the bath, Okay, then you don't get to have story time. Well, it shouldn't be something that necessarily that you're going to take away. Let them enjoy the bath. You know, I, kids grow up so fast and then there's no longer bath time. And then you look back and say, oh, I wish there was bath time. I wish there was story time again. But anyway, let them, you know, figure out a way to be flexible within the, the time frame or the boundaries. Okay, so we'll read a shorter story tonight. Or we only read one story instead of three stories. But don't take something away figure out a creative way to stay within the boundaries, but then also not the child not feel like they're penalized for anything. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Don't be too rigid. <laughs> no. Yeah, I- flexibility is super pivoting and flexibility have become like my favorite words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, these things, and you said like my program. So clearly there are services and, and, and other items that you provide in your coat you know, mechanisms in your coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted, before you share maybe a little bit more on what they are, but I, I was thinking 
you know, the family team meetings, um, oh. I, I'm, I'm an advocate, you know, I'm an yeah. advocate. I, I call, you know, state of the union in couplehood and, and, and you know, uh, my brother and I and my nephew are right in, in podcasting. Like, we still need to create a place of check-in. Are we, and yeah. our intention is, is our vision similar, right? It doesn't no. have to be exactly the same, but we've got to, you know, know that we're all in alignment and yeah. I, I love that idea. And, um, and that you spoke into that today. So, so excited me that, you know, I really <laughs> encourage our listeners to, to look that up. Um, but I, you know, I heard you say that there's an agreement, there's an agenda and there's a, even at the table, there's, everyone gets to have a voice. And even when they're little, like, don't think it has to only start when they're like 10 and up, let's say, even when they're little, you know, it, find a way to engage your child. Well, what do you think? You know, even when they're little, th then they all of a sudden, oh, I get to say something. And mm -hmm. man, mm -hmm. that really goes a long way with their self-confidence. A long yeah. way. Yeah. They're, and they're also being invited. What I hear you saying is they're being invited. Their, their voice is being invited into the space. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, you know, um, and I think that's really important that they get that message uh, over and over. It's like yes. it builds their own muscle, yes. so to say. Absolutely. Um, their neural yeah. pathways, then they know they're, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. they matter. Oh, that, that's, yeah. that's great. That's great. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you've shared with us um, how your parenting has changed. Uh, clearly, yes. you're checking out yourself um, through the, your own work as you peel away for mm -hmm. others. It's kind of touching base with yourself. Yeah. You know, how does that, how, you know, is there any other areas that you would say you've revealed or are you even learning as you're in this place of, I don't know what even a parent mastermind is, by the way. I don't know what a mommy mind is or a oh, daddy okay. mind is. Um, what does that bring for you as the professional and as the parent in those, those spaces? Yeah, so I have, um, I mean, this is, might be a good time. I have a, a Facebook group called uh, Real Talk Parenting and, you know, it varies. We have like lighthearted laughs and, you know, topic discussions and things like that. And, uh, sometimes I'll just do inspirational thoughts or tools or tips that I've learned, you know, weekday wisdom, things like that. Um, and it's, it's all built on what's going on in my life really as a parent, or maybe what, um, what I've heard when I've been coaching another parent or another child. So it's all inspirational from what's happening around me. Mm. So, um, I don't know. Does that answer your question or that wasn't enough? Sh sure. Yeah. No, no. It's, it's never about enough. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. you didn't have enough that you yeah. wanted to say on that because what, then what is that difference? What, a, what is, what is parent minding or you know, okay, so mind, I've got real talk, okay. So I've got real talk parenting, which is a, a Facebook page and a, you know, a Facebook page where we can, parents can engage. Then I have um, master momming and dadding. So that's a mastermind group. That's if you really want to take the conversation next level. We meet twice a month uh, on a Zoom call. Um, it's usually a more intimate group of people who really, really want to go deeper with the work. That really want to just continue peeling back their own layers. And then in turn, obviously, you're, you, you show up better and better as a parent when you're more in tune to why you do what you do and you really want to explore it. A lot of parents want like um, a quick fix and that's okay. I also offer pop-up parenting. So parent coaching. So um, you like that Mark? Pop -up. Yeah. So if they just want to work on one topic, maybe screen time or something like that, 
we can meet just one-on-one -on, -one on Zoom mm -hmm. and um, we'll just work on that one topic. Sometimes parents really want to be coached extensively. So we'll, you know, we'll, they'll sign up for like a 10 week, you know, or a 13 week uh, program to really dive deep into all of it. Um, and then of course I have my coaching kids with love, which is just simply with children, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or I can do siblings. I really prefer one-on-ones. I've tried doing siblings before I can do it. And, um, I think it's most effective when it's individual. And then if there's something specific again, that we want to work on between the siblings, then we can meet, you know, mm. with them together. And peeling back that onion with mm -hmm. the, the parents, is there some place that you, you know, or some questions or something you would have our, our listeners can maybe ask themselves self-reflectively about parenting? Like you, I love, like you said before, am I coming from fear? Right. right. Like that's a great self-reflective mm -hmm. quick question. Is there some others that would have them be in touch with how am I showing up or what's the tool I'm picking? Like, where's my come from? Yeah. So there's also like, um, you know, of course, most people have heard about reaction versus responding. So are you reacting in that moment that you are having something going on with your child or are you responding and how to regulate yourself first before you, you know, so it's taking that pause, really being mindful. And it's not always easy. Trust me. You know, you just want to like react because that's your automatic and that's your go-to, but it takes practice really taking that breath before you respond to what's happening, whatever the situation is. Mm. Um, so that's a big one, really, really. And then adding play. Oh my gosh, this is like, yeah. you know, once our kids reach a certain age, all of a sudden there's no more play. All of a sudden it's like, we're so serious with them. And, and then they don't want us to be serious. So they just look at us like we're just trying to control them. So adding play, I was even, I did a video the other day on my, on my group page about, um, you know, kids, I was coaching a, a, a woman and she has a 12 year old daughter and she said, I just can't take how much attitude she has in her voice. Every time she talks to me, it's like this thing. And I was like, you know, I honestly, you know, the tween and teens, I don't even think they realize half the time how they sound. So we have a choice as a parent. Do we want to take it personally? That's not going to get us anywhere. You know, most parents think it's a lack of respect if the child sounds a certain way. Mm. Again, I don't think they really even realize they're, they sound like that. So in that moment, can you just let it go? Can you just not take it personally and let it go and just fix, you know, figure out what's going on and handle the situation without getting, talking about the attitude or the sound of the voice? Or can you be playful about it? Like, oh, you know, tone check. You know, I'll do that with my son journey, like tone check. And we laugh, you know, or find ways to play versus being so serious. And you'll end up with a completely different scenario. Mm. But we lose it when, when the kids get older, we stop playing for some reason. And it's such a shame because mm. it's really a wonderful way, a creative way to communicate with your child. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate the pause that you just spoke into also and the attitude check, right? Not taking personally. That's like one of the four agreements, right? We yeah. definitely get to live like that as a parent, mm -hmm. but the, the agreement even with ourselves or our kids 
that maybe the agreement is I, I'm going to pause or I'm, I'm going to walk away, but I'm not gaslighting you. I'm not walking away from you. Right. I know I'm not effective in this moment. So mm-hmm. when that happens, like, you know, and now I'm thinking about even what you just said, it'd be like, you know, parent timeout or right. Like we're going we're gonna to do a pause here on this because it, you're right. It's not like oh, I'm ready to have a new way of responding in this moment. And right. I, I really yeah. love that you presence that for us. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have to walk away or, I would definitely tell the child if you're going to do that, because if you, you know, then they might start thinking, you know, yep, you know, know, where that could go, what rabbit hole that could go down, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, or have a, have a, again, being playful, have like a code, like, I don't know, (laughs) you know, like, okay, you're doing that thing, you know, so, you know, and each parent and the child could have their own little hand signal, you know, to kind of diffuse the situation. Yeah. 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 But there's an attunement that is, right? Like, I only know what this code means. Like, right, that right. moment we're attuned, even though we may not be getting along, mm-hmm. there's a connection that, you know, that mm-hmm. signal um, gives to each other, uh, right. you know, but that yeah. secret, secret passcode. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is bringing up something for me. Um, when you said attunement, mm. do you share this with parents? But I feel like, parents need to be in tune with their kids. And I think a lot of it comes from not being in tune. Even what you said about, can you not take it seriously? Well, are you seeing where the children is having maybe a feeling, the child's having a feeling, and you want to personalize the feeling instead of seeing them? So do you go over this with parents? It it just came up for me. It's that parents need to be in tune with the kid. It's not the kid being in tune with the parent. Absolutely. I can... Even um, a good a good story I can share about that is um, even between spouses, right? So Journey's dad loves technology. He loves a computer. He's the first to introduce a new game or play the same game that our son is playing. And all Journey's life, I've been fighting that computer, reading articles about you know, how they will, you know, it affects their lack of attention, you know, their, it affects their attention span, things like that. And then one day, several years ago, I read an article that said, the jobs that your kids will have, have not even been created yet. Mm-hmm. And I, and it was a technology column. And I was like, whoa. I'm like, I'm living in yesterday. It's just like when our parents didn't want us on TV for so, you know, on the t- watching TV for so long, because God forbid something was going to happen to us. <laughs> it's a different generation. If you're not in tune to the generation, you're just going to keep going to what you know, and you will never be in sync with each other. It's a completely different generation. Mm. And, and finding ways to speak their language is really what a parent needs to do in order to be successful. Yeah, Cause they're walking into a different world, technological world that if you try and hold technology away from them, it's going to be more, we think it's in our lives now. It's not even a piece of what it's going to be in the future. Another thing I learned that's really important for parents is that they now have uh, e-sports as scholarships for colleges. 
What's that mean? Oh, yeah, let me. I want to yeah, hear that. Electronics. My son's in high school right now. Yeah. So if you're if you're a good gamer or you do, they're calling it esports. So you can get a scholarship if you're really good gaming or coding or whatever you know whatever your thing is, your shtick is on the technology. College. Some colleges are offering scholarships. So rather than um, fight them on something they love, it's a hobby like any other hobby. The trick is keeping it, you know, in balance. Like if a kid loves to play baseball or they love to do dance, they're not going to do that 10 hours a day. So it's the same thing for technology. Yes, you want them to enjoy their hobby and they get to be in balance and it, it, mm. it can be challenging. It's funny. Even sports has shifted. Now they play baseball all year round. It's like, oh yeah. In my day, they used to, you know, you had a little season and now it's like a whole, you know, but I, I like the balance. Yeah. 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 And the balance is tricky. It's tricky because mm. we're all on our, we're all on technology. So if, if he's saying, well, you're, even if I'm on a coaching call, but I'm still on technology, it's like, well, you're, he, he doesn't want to decipher between why I'm on my computer and why he can't be on his computer, mm-hmm. you know, his being games and me being work. It doesn't matter. He sees me on my phone or on technology and, and he thinks, well, this is a mixed message. Why can't I, but you can. So it's really being mindful of that. And when your child approaches you, put your phone down, put the computer down, really be, um, Really be present with your child. I I really appreciate that pivot, though, that you shared about the article, right? Because your worldview, your history, your opinion was shaping and molding how you wanted him to show up. And until you could have a shift in your perspective... it couldn't create space for you to, to have anything different than what you were having, but that's, it's a, it's a beautiful place that you could bring that in and make your own shift and, and see right life through his experience and not just through yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the gift of in any relationship actually, but I think it's right. much more called forth in, in parenting um, mm-hmm. calls that forth. Well, that, was, mm-hmm. that was wonderful. Thanks. Oh, uh, well, I, we should create some kind of challenge out of this. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, how how parents maybe could step in or create this space or uh, I don't know what it looks like, but we can co-create it right now. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you have Let's an idea. Um, I, uh, maybe parents have their own tips. I don't know. Would it, could they could they mm-hmm. share any tips that maybe have been successful? In their journey, Ooh, this would be parent? a different. That's great. This would be a different. Yeah, why uh, not? On so the challenge, parents can ch- share on the challenge, so parents can help each other on this. They'll post it on Facebook, but like, okay, yeah. Tip how, how they pivot. How, how they pivoted. How they what pivot. things they found out. How like you shared when you woke up reading an article, it shifted you. Like mm-hmm. yeah, like parents share your tips. Let's because mm. you know what we all don't have all the tips, and if we of share, of course them, not. We, we yeah. Learn. It, yeah. That's why they it takes a village, right? Yeah, <laughs> we all great. learn from each other. Instead of challenging yep. a different, this is like the pivot of a challenge. That's, that's right. Parent, <laughs> parent pivot <laughs> challenge. There you go. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> Wonderful. Uh, yeah. So we, we are, you know, we're going to ask our listeners to share on our Facebook page, the BTO podcast, you know, tips on how you pivot as a parent. And, uh, you know, Mark and I will put something on there too. So we, we walk the walk all the time. Yeah. And I just don't want it, 
if you're not a parent, you're a you could be an aunt, a godchild, whatever. How maybe you can share in that too, because yep. I don't want to leave everybody. Everybody can bring how they pivoted with a child in their yeah, lives totally. anywhere. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna shift our conversation into some really quick, fast fire questions where we ask you okay. and what comes to mind. Uh oh. So, okay. so I'm ready. <laughs> so Chia, how do you define love? Whoa, that's not a quick question. <laughs> I told you they get a little deeper. Than oh my much. god! <laughs> uh, I'll just say I define it as a gift. A gift. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. So, who in your life influenced you the most, and why? Wow, I would say Journey's dad, Holiday, has been probably. Um, the greatest influence for me because he challenges me to grow and mm. continue really getting out of my comfort zone. We do mm. it with each other. We do it for and with each other. Um, and uh, he's quite the inspiration. Mm. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. What, if you have two favorite books, you're like, you know, these, these are life changers or these are like my two sacred books. What would you suggest or, or share with our listeners? Yeah, I would say definitely the four agreements, you know, completely life-changing for me, um, you know, being impeccable with your word, uh, not making assumptions. That was a big one. And again, quickly as parents, we assume a lot. We assume we know what our child is thinking or feeling or uh, going to say. We have no idea. Uh, not taking it personally uh, and always doing your best. So those are the four agreements in a nutshell, but the book is is and was life-changing for me. The second one I think would probably be screen-free parenting. Um, there was one line in that book that resonated with me. Like I could have only read that one line and it would have been enough to make the book, the book worth reading and purchasing. Um, and that was when we are, and you don't have to be, you don't have to scream at your child for this book to be impactful. Uh, but if you do tend to raise your voice, um, the line was when you are upset with your child, it's because you are looking for them to fulfill an emotional need that you're having. You're expecting them to fulfill an emotional need that you're having. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, how can I ever expect my son to fulfill my need that he doesn't even know I'm having? I don't know. For Mm. me, that was just huge, but it's a good book. That line was a it was a mic dropper. Yeah. I, I was that gonna is bang my, my head on the mic. <laughs> I was like, boom! I got that landed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How do you embody or own your truth every day? Um. Well, my first thought is when I look in my son's eyes. Um, but always being in uh, the question, always just reflecting on on how I want to show up in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as we honor this time together, is there any last pieces of wisdom, tips that you want to share from with our mm-hmm. listeners and us? Well, I could talk all day long about this stuff. Um, <laughs> I think when you are parenting and if you... I'll go back to like, as your kids grow up and you start 
having less and less patience, shall we say, um, if you can look at them through the eyes of, look at, see them as babies, see them as young children. And then, I'm gonna cry. Then, then you see them differently. In that moment, even if you're upset or you're trying to get your point across or whatever, if you just look at them like as as they were when you held them, it's a different a different perspective. Thank you. Thank you. That's a beautiful way to end this connection today. <laughs> um, and I always, you know, no matter what our age is, we still have an inner child too. Yeah. So there's, you know, what do we want that inner child to experience and yeah. hear from us in this mm -hmm. moment? So thank you for that reminder, yeah. that tender moment. Yeah, that's it, tenderness and sweetness. Mm. It really is. And for me, it's always a gift to connect and have a way um, to create that connection with you, Gia. So yeah. I, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing the space yeah. and time. Mm. Yep. And uh, we will be listen, you know, giving our listeners ways to connect with you and reach you on social media and through Great. the website. So love to have them. Yeah, thank you. And and we're gonna take this out <laughs> for today as we <laughs> all end with a little tear in our eyes um, and, and honoring the sacredness of life, right? Mm -hmm. And children are one of those reminders. Yes, all, all, at all times. Um, mm -hmm. And thank so. You. So, <laughs> my son's over here, so I'm saying thank you, thank you. Yeah. Bless you, bless you. Yes. So, thank you for listening to Break Through the Ordinary podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and our deep dive into connection, parenting, self reflection, so you can live your extraordinary life. If you'd like to support the podcast, please leave a rating and share it with others on social media. And to catch the latest on our show, follow us at the BTO Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time.